Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program and it's our second part of a four-part series where I've been sharing with you loving-kindness meditation. Last week on Wednesday, I shared with you all the details of loving-kindness meditation and why we actually do loving-kindness meditation. And then I helped you understand how to actually do loving-kindness meditation through a loving-kindness meditation session. Well, today what I'm going to do is just remind you of how we actually do loving-kindness meditation, and then we'll go ahead and do a session together as a group and open up to any questions that you guys might have. Because the idea is, is that between last week and this week, you should have had some time to be able to now practice loving-kindness meditation and start integrating this in to your meditation practice. And then over the next few weeks, you'll be able to do the same thing. And each one of these classes are designed to be able to help you deepen your loving-kindness meditation practice and open up to any questions that you might have. So welcome to our class today. I talked about loving-kindness meditation and ultimately helped you see with the words of the Buddha that he actually did teach loving-kindness meditation and it's meant to abandon anger, hatred, ill will, and all those lesser versions like frustration, irritation, annoyance, and so forth. Because as long as the mind is harboring this bitterness, this hostility, this aggression towards other beings, that's going to come out through your intentions, your speech, and your actions. And now you're going to function in a way that is harmful to them. So therefore, it's going to be harmful to you. Your speech and your actions are going to have this anger, hatred, ill will, this hostility, bitterness, this aggression in your speech and your actions. And when you put that out to others, that's what's going to ultimately come back to you. But this loving kindness meditation is designed to help you to transform the mind so that you can eliminate the anger, hatred, ill will, and all those lesser versions that motivate the unskillful conduct. And by you cultivating loving kindness in the mind so that you can then transform that anger and hatred into loving kindness, now in daily life, through your intention, speech, and actions, you can have this loving kindness, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. You can now function skillfully through your intention, speech, and actions rather than in a harmful way that's only going to harm others, so therefore it's going to harm you. And the way that I helped you understand this is that building on our other four-part series of breathing mindfulness meditation, where I start out with chanting, and then we do breathing mindfulness meditation, we inserted in the middle loving kindness meditation, where we do these affirmations on the out breath. May I be peaceful. May I be safe. May I be well. 
May I be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. And last week, we just did these three rings. May I, we, and all beings. And I encourage you to work with this and customize this based on individuals that you have challenges with in your relationships. People that you currently have perhaps anger or bitterness or hostility towards, that you can customize this and ensure that you're inserting those individuals into this meditation, as well as people that you currently have loving kindness for as well, that helps you to continue to grow that in the mind. And then after our loving kindness meditation, we went back to some breathing mindfulness meditation and then ended with some chanting. And we're going to do the same thing today, except I'm going to adjust the rings. Where last week it was just kind of introduction to loving kindness meditation. We just did these three rings. Today I'm going to expand that and do some additional rings so that our loving kindness meditation is a bit more involved, that we have more rings. But keep in mind that as I'm guiding you in meditation, I'm constructing rings that are really applicable to all of us as I guide you in meditation, but it's important for you when you do this on your own that you create rings that are customized to your life. And I always suggest that you start with may I and that you end with all beings, but then you go through these successive rings where perhaps you start with some people or some groups of people that you currently have loving kindness for to help kind of bring that up in the mind and cultivate that and then move to maybe some people or some groups of people that you're more neutral about, and then ultimately go to groups of people or individuals that you struggle with and you have anger and hatred towards, and ultimately finish with all beings, ensuring that you cover all beings. And what you're doing is you're moving in this loving kindness and moving out the anger, hatred, bitterness, any kind of hostility or aggression. And then you'll see that your relationships can improve because now you're functioning in a way through your intention, speech, and actions that are permeating or filled with loving kindness. So before we actually do a meditation session, let me pause and see if you guys have any questions on anything I taught last week or this week, anything that you've uncovered in your meditation practice over the course of the last week that you might be interested to get some clarification on before we actually do our meditation session together today. The way that you ask questions is you put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. Yes, <clears throat> Teacher David, I was wondering, if there comes a point where a practitioner has an argument or some ill feelings towards someone in their life, is that when they should maybe focus most of their loving kindness meditation practice towards that person to change how they are thinking about this person? Yeah, so we have these different experiences in our life and they tell us something about our own mind. So you can go a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks where maybe things are somewhat peaceful and there's some joy there. But you can maybe encounter something or you can come into a situation or an experience where you observe this anger, this hatred, this bitterness, this hostility arise. And it maybe even surprises you. You didn't even realize that it was necessarily there. 
And when you observe that, that's an indication for you. That's like a red light on your dashboard of your car that, hey, something's wrong here. You need to pull over the car and you need to investigate and you need to start applying a solution so that you can keep driving this car down the road. So the same thing is if you see anger or hatred or bitterness or any kind of hostility or aggression arise in any situations that you're involved in in day-to-day life, you should investigate that and you can observe that, oh yeah, with my boss or my coworkers or my life partner or my children or my neighbors, some things happen in your day and now when you observe that there is some hostility there, now maybe for a week or two or three, you include that person or that group of people into your loving kindness meditation and now you cultivate that over a week or two or three or four and now as you go through life, maybe you come in contact with those same people again and you observe that you interact with them in a different way. And this can help you to see that this meditation is working and now you're starting to interact with people in a more loving and kind way. But you're not really interested in just inserting them into your meditation once because it takes much more time for your mind to be transformed than that. So I would say at least a minimum of a week or two and then kind of expand it beyond that. Even if you feel that the anger and hostility or the bitterness is gone, continue to do it for a few days or a few weeks so that you can just ensure that you do what the Buddha said, which is obliterate it at the stump or destroy it, utterly destroy this anger, hatred, and ill will. So wherever you see these situations occur, that's a good indication for you to include those people or those groups of people into your loving kindness meditation. And then that's where your meditation will be fluid, where you might have certain people that show up all the time, of course, like yourself or your life partner, your children, maybe your parents, maybe people who you interact with regularly. And maybe you kind of create one ring for them, which is my family, may my family or may those close to me, you know, be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentness. You may find it pretty easy to cultivate loving kindness for them. But then what you would really like to do is move into those more challenging rings of individuals and people. And those are going to probably fluctuate. There might be some people that you know of right now that the mind has anger or hatred towards. And you've had that in there for quite a long time. And you know that you need to include them in there for multiple months, perhaps, before you actually clear that out. But then there's going to be other people along the way as you progress in life that maybe someone cuts you off in traffic or maybe there's this new coworker that shows up on the scene and you're feeling this rub and this harshness between you and that person and you need to include that person in your meditation for a while or maybe some other situation has occurred. Maybe someone in your family has done something that you feel was very aggressive or harsh towards you and you feel this anger arising and maybe you need to include that person for a while. So this meditation is gonna stay somewhat fluid as you progress and then ultimately when you get closer and closer to enlightenment, by the time you get to the third stage of enlightenment as a non-returner, all ill will will be eliminated from the mind and you won't need this meditation any longer because it'll all be gone. You will see that for a year or two or three, no anger, no irritation, no hostility, no bitterness whatsoever has arisen in the mind for that extended period of time. And then you'll know, aha, 
okay, I don't need to do this meditation because none of that is arising in the mind. But don't be in a hurry to drop off this meditation and don't allow the ego to kind of convince you that that little bit of annoyance, that little bit of irritation is okay. Because as long as you have that little bit of annoyance and irritation in the mind, the mind still isn't enlightened. There's still that poison that we call anger, hatred, ill will, but there's these lesser versions of annoyance and irritation. So wherever you see those, you would like to stamp them out and just utterly destroy them and obliterate them like the Buddha said. Thank you, sir. Also, should this be done regarding people that a practitioner will no longer be having contact with or may it be who have passed away? It can be all of those because if there's any kind of anger, hatred, or ill will, or those lesser versions in the mind, even for people who have already passed away, even for people you haven't seen for 10 or 20 years, it's still inside your mind. There's still this mental object of ill will, which is more deeply rooted in the mind. And in order to get to enlightenment, you have to uproot that mental object. You have to let that go. So even though these people are passed away or even though you haven't seen that person for 10 or 20 years and there's no way you're probably ever going to see them again, you're still harboring this anger, hatred, ill will. This mental object is still there that needs to be uprooted out of the mind. And you uproot that because that's an unwholesome root. Because even though you have that and you're harboring that towards certain individuals, it's still going to come out towards others as well. You can't just keep that anger and ill will segmented and isolated just for that person you haven't seen for however many years, that mental object is still there in the mind. It's still hindering your mind and you need to uproot it and purify the mind to the point where you don't have any ill will towards anyone in the entire world, any human beings, any animals or anything that you have nothing but this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. One of the ways that you can test your own mind is if you have children or if you have a life partner or something like this, somebody who's really close to you, think about, and I know this might be hard for some of you, but think about if somebody murdered one of those people, one of your children or life partner, your parents or someone like that, how would you feel about that person? Would you feel that you really despise this person, you really hate this person, you really are angry and bitter at this person, because if that's the truth, if that's what you would feel, then there's still this anger, hatred, and ill will in the mind. So you've got to get to the point where you've cultivated so much loving kindness that even if someone were to kill you or kill somebody close to you, you understand that this is their craving anger and ignorance, and it wouldn't arise any ill will in your own mind. One of the ways that the Buddha said this is he said that if two people were holding you down and sawing you limb to limb to limb, essentially sawing off your wrist and sawing off your elbow and sawing off your shoulder and your ankle and your knee and your hip, and they were sawing you limb by limb by limb, he said, even in that situation, you should have enough loving kindness cultivated in the mind that no hatred would arise in that situation 
essentially is what he was sharing. So that's the level of loving kindness that you can cultivate with this meditation. And you can use this as an internal test of your own mind so that you're not just prematurely eliminating loving kindness meditation from your practice, but instead you have this objective nature where you're looking in and you're trying to determine if somebody did these really graphic and harmful things to you or somebody else close to you, how would you feel about that? And if you would feel any kind of annoyance or irritation or hatred or bitterness or hostility towards that being, then that means there's still this mental object of anger, hatred, ill will there, and the mind can experience enlightenment as long as that's there. It doesn't mean if these people do these harmful things that you're going to take them out to lunch and you're going to celebrate with them and you're going to feel joyful that they've done these things. But a person who no longer has this mental object of ill will in the mind, even in those extreme circumstances, there wouldn't be the arising of anger, hatred, or ill will that comes up in the mind. Thank you, sir. Uh, That appears to be all the questions that we have at this time. Okay, so let's go ahead and do our loving kindness meditation. So I'll guide you through the entire meditation, but you're going to be interested to get the body into a nice, comfortable position. If you're sitting in a chair, that means your feet are probably either flat on the floor or cross at the ankles. Your lower body should be comfortable, nice and relaxed, not luxurious, but not painful, nice and relaxed. And the same thing if you're sitting on the floor, you would like to be comfortable, not luxurious and not painful. So that means you might put a cushion under your rear to lessen the angle at the hips, knees, and ankles. And then your hands and arms, you would like to rest them comfortably in the lap. The Buddha put his right hand on his left with his thumbs together, and you can put that in your lap if you like and completely relax the arms and the hands. If that's not comfortable for you, you can put your palms on your thighs or your knees. You can put them on the armrest of a chair. This isn't about everybody doing it exactly the same because it's impossible for everyone to do it exactly the same. So you're looking for a comfortable position here, not luxurious and not painful, so that the lower body and the hands and arms are completely relaxed. The upper body should be erect, not real stiff and not you know, completely slouched, but in the middle, nice and erect. This keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. Because while you're meditating, you would like the mind to be attentive and alert so you can do the work of moving in this loving kindness and moving out the anger and hatred. Next, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. You would like to establish a nice gradual breath, breathing in through the nose, experiencing the full breath, and exhaling out through the nose. Your breath isn't going to necessarily match to the guidance that I'm providing. So wherever you get to the next inhale, just breathe in through the nose, And then when you get to the next exhale, exhale out through the nose with a nice gradual breath. You're welcome to hang out here just establishing the breath. Or if you know these chants, you're welcome to join along in the chants. 
After the chanting, I'll come back with some more guidance. You should just be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose, just establishing a nice, steady, consistent breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. As you establish the breath, start focusing the mind on the breath. The sound of the breath coming into the nose or the sensation of air that's moving into the nose. 
Focus the mind on the breath. This is the present moment. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in. And out. With the mind fixated on the breath, whenever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. No need to judge the thought, no need to analyze it, no need to label it, or even figure out where it's coming from. Just wherever you observe a thought, you cut that off, let that go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in and out. I'm going to be quiet now and let you do this work of breathing mindfulness meditation. Cutting off the thoughts anytime you observe that the mind is off the breath. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in. and out.
continuing to focus on the breath. We'll now move into loving-kindness meditation. When you get to the next out-breath, wherever that is, repeat this affirmation in the mind. May I be peaceful. May I be safe. May I be well. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be peaceful. May we be safe. May we be well. May we be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May those who are close to me be peaceful. May they be safe.
May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I've never met be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be safe.
May all beings be well. May all beings be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Now go back to breathing mindfulness meditation. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Focusing the mind on the breath. Wherever you observe that the mind is not on the breath, cut that off, let it go and come back to the breath. Breathing in and out.
I would like to share with you that while we use loving kindness meditation in order to cultivate loving kindness in meditation, your development of loving kindness doesn't stop here. Your loving kindness meditation is where you cultivate it in the mind through meditation. But now in daily life, the way that you allow this meditation to now be applied to your daily life is that wherever you observe that anger or hatred or ill will or bitterness, hostility, aggression, or any of those lesser versions like irritation and annoyance are arising in the mind, you cut those off and let them go. You cut them off and let them go. Just cut them off, let them go. And that'll get easier and easier over time as you develop your meditation practice. And then after you cut off and let go of any arising discontentedness, then you arise this loving kindness or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. So if you're in a conversation at work or at home or somewhere else, 
or you're just in a car driving by yourself and you observe any kind of anger, hatred, ill will, bitterness, hostility, irritation, annoyance starting to arise, you should start observing this bodily sensation. And when you observe that bodily sensation, cut that off and let it go. And then whatever the mind is having this anger, hatred, ill will towards, you arise this loving kindness, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. So we're cultivating this in meditation, but then in daily life, you need to practice it through your intention, speech, and actions. And what I was just describing there with as you observe the arising discontentedness of anger, hatred, ill will, or the lesser versions, this is right mindfulness, having awareness of the mind, and then applying right effort, cutting off and letting go any arisen unwholesome mental states, and applying the effort to arise the wholesome mental state of loving kindness. So your work is happening in meditation, yes, but it's also happening all day long outside of meditation as well. When you observe with mindfulness or awareness of mind that any discontentedness is arising, you cut that off and let it go. That's all discontentedness, whether it's conditioned pleasant feelings, painful feelings, or feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. Specifically related to any kind of anger, hatred, ill will, frustration, irritation, annoyance, any of these discontent feelings that have this bitterness or this hostility, this aggression towards others, not only are you going to cut that off and let it go, but you're also going to apply effort to arise this loving kindness towards all beings. And this is how you gradually transform the mind over a consistent long-term period of time. So let me open up to any questions that you guys might have related to the meditation itself or how to apply this outside of meditation. You can ask questions through Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, just put those into the comment section, or you can electronically raise your hand in Zoom and ask any questions that you like. Um, yes, sir. On YouTube, Tonka asks, I feel a lot, of, a lot of pressure in my head during and after the meditation. So this can occur for people who are just starting out in your first three to six months, even your first year. You might observe some various pressures in the skull or in the head. This is due to the transformation that's happening in the brain. The training that the Buddha taught is all about training the mind. The mind and the brain are two separate things, but there's a connection between the two. So as we're training this mind, this intangible, non-physical mind that you can't touch, we're training this mind. As you're training and purifying the mind, there's physical changes that are happening to the brain. And that might be what you're feeling in terms of the pressure. Scientists have researched this and have shown the changes that are occurring to the brain as we train the mind through meditation and other aspects of our practice. So you might feel things shifting and changing as you're training, and that's actually a good sign. It means that things are moving around. If you didn't experience anything at all, that's where it's like, okay, well, what's going on here? But these changes that occur in the brain, they happen over a long-term period of time and as you ultimately get to the first, second, third, and fourth stage of enlightenment, these changes that occur, they won't regress. The brain will never change back to the way it was before. But early in practice like this, if you are practicing and you're feeling these pressures or these changes in the brain and you're not continuing to meditate and you're not continuing to develop your practice, any changes that occur can actually regress. So this is a 
normal indication that things are shifting and changing in the mind and in the brain. And if you continue to learn and practice these teachings, you'll see some more of these things. But over time, they will subside. So if you at one time used to experience any kind of headaches or migraines or things like this, then as you train the mind more and more, you'll observe that these things will dissipate and diminish more and more over time. And you'll find that you no longer will have these headaches that are plaguing the mind either during meditation and or after meditation. So what you're doing is actually in the effort to actually transform the mind. It's just going to take time for those things to occur. Thank you, sir. Um, Also, can people sense that one is um, elevating or is it merely just them observing our speech and our actions? Because it's been observed that as this being is working on kindness, the people that are met, there seems to be an almost like instant friendship. They want to trust us, things like that, where that didn't occur before. Is that just them seeing our actions? the connections breaking up a little bit miranda i think what you're saying is that you're observing that as you interact with oh my zoom went away (laughs) let's see my zoom's rebooting yeah we're having some instability some impermanence here there was some breakup in the connection as you're asking your question I, i think what you were saying miranda is that you're noticing that people seem to have an instant friendship with you instant trust now that you've been practicing these teachings for a while brand new people you've never met before, which this didn't occur in the past. Yeah, this is this is very normal because as you're functioning with more and more qualities of enlightenment, even though other people don't know what an enlightened being is necessarily, they don't understand this path to enlightenment, they don't even know that you are meditating, they don't know that you're on the path to enlightenment, they might not know anything about that. But the way that the Buddha's teachings are delivered in the way that they're taught and the way that you practice them is that they're the natural laws of existence, that all beings will, to a certain degree, start to observe like, wow, this girl's so friendly. She's very polite. She's so respectful. She's never angry. She doesn't complain. She doesn't have a negative attitude. She's not disgruntled. She shows up to work on time. She does very good diligent work. She's a hard worker. She gets along with her customers and her co-workers and, you know, all these different qualities that the Buddha is training your mind to eliminate this pollution and bring in these wholesome qualities. As you're practicing these wholesome qualities, other people are going to observe those things. They're not going to necessarily call it generosity. They're not going to call it loving kindness or compassion or sympathetic joy or equanimity. They're not going to call it right intention, right speech, right action. They're not going to call it harmlessness and non-ill will and all the things that we know as part of the Buddhist teachings, but they feel it. They feel that light. They feel that enlightened being coming through. They feel the stableness, the calmness, the steadiness that polite, kind, friendly, and respectful being. And that is something that universally people can observe and people can appreciate it. So this is why an enlightened being, the way that they function in the world is they no longer meet with these drastic problems that just plague our life and burden us and drag us down. Instead, we still face certain challenges in certain situations like 
starting a new job and learning a new job that's challenging, you know, or other things that we might do. But we know that all these things are impermanent and that it's just a matter of getting wisdom to be able to apply to these situations that then by applying wisdom, we will be able to make better and better results in our life. And this isn't something that we necessarily know or that we understand in the unenlightened state and when we're off this path. But when we get onto this path and we see the transformation to our mind, then we know that the same things that transformed our mind and we're experiencing beneficial and improved results in training our mind, eliminating pollution and cultivating wholesome qualities. We know that it's just a matter of doing those same things in this other part of our life, which is at work or anything else. So it looks like we dropped off there again, Miranda, but I continued the answer. So you'll hear it on the recording uh, and you'll hear it uh, in the, on the podcast. Yes. There seems to be some impermanence. Yeah. I'm all done with the answer to your question, but you didn't get the last 30 seconds of it. So you'll hear that on the YouTube and on the podcast or the Facebook video. Yes. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And Jan also had her hand raised. So let's go to her for her question. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, teacher David. Um, I wanted to ask a question about a sensation I also have in my head often when I'm um, in meditation. This part of the head feels, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but there's an awareness of this part of the head um, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a little um, tingly would be a way to describe that. And it, it's not just distracting anymore but for a while it was quite distracting when I was in meditation I would be paying attention to the the breath and then this sensation would occur and it was difficult to um, ignore it for a while if you had any guidance about that it would be appreciated yeah so this place right in the center of the forehead kind of in the middle of the eyebrows This is associated with the third eye. This is an inward looking eye that you can kind of look inward at the mind and you can start understanding what's going on in the mind where there's this more awareness of the mind. And you will see statues, you'll see artwork where people will actually draw an eye right there, a third eye. And as you're awakening, as the mind is awakening, you can feel this tingling in that area. And people attribute it to a certain part of the brain that is being affected. And scientists research this as well. We don't have a direct correlation, but it looks like there's a certain part of the brain that people are attributing this to, that as the mind awakens, there's this changes that are occurring to that particular structure in the brain. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what you're feeling and what you're observing is the changing of that occurring inside the skull and inside the brain. So that's normal. It'll continue for a certain period of time. It's impermanent. And eventually the mind will just be more and more awake. And you'll just always have this full awareness of everything that's going on in the mind, where now all those things are starting to really move in that direction. And you'll notice more and more changes like this. But this is all completely normal. Looks like my Zoom is frozen up again. Miranda and Jan, are you guys still there? Can you guys still hear me? 
you're back now. <laughs> Thank oh, okay. you, Teacher David. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that answer you heard, but it'll be on the recording for sure. Did you get all of that? Most, I think. Okay. Yeah, so it's very normal. It's very normal. It's attributed to the third eye. And as the mind awakens, you'll get more and more full awareness of the mind, where now you're starting to observe the changes. But after the body and the mind and the brain goes through these changes, then the mind will just always have full awareness and you won't have those changes going on anymore. You'll feel less pressure. And eventually, if you get to enlightenment, there'll be no pressure in the skull whatsoever. You won't have any headaches. You won't have any grumpiness or irritability and all these things. And the mind has been purified. The brain has been completely transformed and life is just completely, utterly peaceful. But you go through these changes and you observe these transformations as they're happening. Thank you. You're welcome. Sir, you've spoken on a number of subjects about how the mind can kind of swing like a pendulum from one side to the other before finding and staying in the middle. Can this happen with loving kindness also? Can the mind swing from having too little loving kindness and compassion to having possibly too much loving kindness and compassion, especially living in a world where the majority of people are not aware of and are not practicing these teachings? And how should a practitioner deal with this if this is a possibility, sir? Yeah, you're going to see these in correlation to all areas of your practice, whether it's loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, generosity, all these different aspects of the wholesome that you're moving towards cultivating in the mind. If the mind is either craving those things too much and practicing them in extreme or excess, and you start now moving to the middle, the mind doesn't just go from there straight to the middle like, aha, I got it. Perfect. It's going to overshoot the middle and go to too little loving kindness, too little generosity, too little compassion and all those other. Or it's going to start like you're saying, start with this indifference and this very little amount, if any, loving kindness. And then as you learn these teachings, it might swing over here to kind of this excess. And then just like a pendulum, as it swings, it starts going less and less to the extremes on either side and it starts coming into the middle. And then more and more and more, you find out where that middle is and then boom, you got it. You're like, ah, there's the middle for loving kindness. I know how to do that. And I'm going to start doing that more and more and more with everyone around me. I can practice that. I know what that feels like now. It feels completely peaceful. I'm not craving it and holding on to it too much and being in excess, but I'm not indifferent either. So I know where that middle is. And now I'm just going to keep practicing that in a steadfast way, in a very steady and stable way. And you need to do that with all these wholesome qualities because the mind's going to have a tendency to swing like this back and forth until you find the middle and you know where that is. And then once you know where it is, the mind observes that and it feels this peacefulness and ah, it's like you're taking a breath. And now when you know where that middle is, now you have a tendency to be able to stay there and practice that on a very consistent and long-term basis. The mind will no longer bump out of that middle to being less and, you know, kind of indifferent and it won't bounce out of the middle and kind of craving loving kindness and holding on to it real tight. You just know where that is and you've now 
discovered the middle and you're practicing that middle way with all these wholesome qualities. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, Jan has her hand raised. So let's go to her for her question. Thank you, Miranda. And thank you for asking that question. Um, I, I have a related question. Uh, I find teacher David that sometimes when I hear that someone is experiencing trouble, I feel this kind of rush of sympathy for them and wanting to help them in some way. Um, and I'm never sure what's if I've gone too far, maybe with loving kindness or where to pull back, what's reasonable for me to be um, thinking about in regard to this. Sure, I can help you with that. So having loving kindness is kind of having that genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, but then taking the action to actually help somebody. This is generosity, right? So the Buddha teaches us about generosity and he talks about loving kindness too and all these other teachings. But in terms of what you're honing in on is there's loving kindness there and you're not quite sure if it's too much or not. So since you understand that the helping part is generosity, you can use the teachings around generosity to help you. And what the Buddha explains is that prior to practicing generosity, your mind should be joyful. And then while you're practicing generosity, the mind should be calm and confident. He talks about this calmness and this confidence while you're practicing the generosity. And then after you're done with this act of generosity, he says your mind should still be joyful. So if you have this experience, then you know that the mind is in the middle. Because if you're prior to practicing generosity, you're not quite sure, should I step in? Should I not step in? Am I giving too much? Am I giving too little? The mind is not quite stable there. It's not joyful. And then if while you're practicing the generosity, the mind is not calm and confident, the mind's bouncing around. Again, the mind is not stable. It's doing this action out of craving because there's not this calmness and this confidence there. And then likewise, after you practice generosity, if there's this remorse, like, ah, I didn't give enough, I should have gave more, I should have helped more, or, oh, I helped too much, I shouldn't have done that, that was like unwise of me, why did I help so much? If the mind's not still joyful after the generosity, then you know that the mind is not stabilized in this middle way of practicing generosity. So be sure that the mind's joyful before and after, and then while you're practicing, have this calmness and this confidence that you're practicing in a way that's wholesome. And that's how you know you've met the middle, that once you have this loving kindness that you're practicing, then the action part is the generosity. And that's the part that you can monitor the mind and see where the mind is in the middle. And if you go through that situation and the mind isn't joyful, before and after, and the mind isn't calm and confident while you're practicing, then in the future, you just aim to cultivate those whenever you're practicing generosity in any situation. Thank you, Teacher David. That was very helpful. You're welcome. It appears those are all the questions that we have for today, sir. All right. Well, I'll just end by thanking you all for joining for today's class. And 
continue your loving kindness meditation because as you cultivate this each day in combination with your breathing mindfulness meditation, doing two to three meditation sessions a day for 30 minutes or more, building up to that. You may not be there yet, but you're building up to that. And out of those two or three, you would like at least one of them to be loving kindness meditation because early on the path like this, there's hatred in the mind. There's anger. There's those even those lesser versions as well. So be sure that out of your two or three sessions that you make at least one of them loving kindness. And you can make all of them loving kindness if you like. This is where it's your practice, your decisions. And be sure to customize those rings based on your unique experiences that where you experience that you do have anger hatred ill will for individuals be sure to customize those rings and put them or groups of people into your loving kindness meditation and then you can slowly start seeing the transformation that as you do your meditations on a regular basis that you will see this transformation to the condition of the mind and now you'll be interacting in a way that is loving and kind through your intention speech and actions where now you can be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to everybody. And this is where you can have such rewarding and positive experiences like what Miranda was talking about, where people just trust you, people feel very friendly with you right from the very beginning because they don't feel any kind of hostility, bitterness, or aggression, even the slightest little sliver. They don't feel any of that coming from you whatsoever. So you'll find that you'll be able to function in society so much more at ease when you're practicing these teachings, not just the meditations, but understanding the entire Eightfold Path and practicing that in your daily life because that's where you're really bringing your full practice to bear. The meditations is something we're doing on our own. It's our own independent practice. But when we go out into the world and we're practicing right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, this is where we're really reaping the rewards and the benefits of having developed our practice in the way that we are. So when you go out into the world and you're practicing the Eightfold Path in all situations, that's where you can really bring on the light and start experiencing this ease about your relationships and the way that you interact with people. But you need to work up to that because, of course, if there's pollution in the mind as you're even out there trying to practice these teachings like right intention, right speech, and right action, there's going to be some situations where Maybe you are a bit bitter. Maybe you are a bit aggressive or hostile. Where you observe that, you can apologize. You can cut that off, let it go. You can make amends and then work to get better and work to improve, bringing your practice up closer and closer to that ideal, to the ceiling. The Buddhist teachings are like a ceiling, like an ideal. This is what an enlightened being would be practicing. That's what he's setting as the teachings of the Eightfold Path and all the others. And you're just working your way up to that. But you're going to be having these backward steps and then work up to it and these backward steps and work up to it. But continue to work up towards that in all the relationships that you have and all the situations that you're involved in. And that's where you'll be able to reap the rewards of having done all this work, because now having done all this work, life is just so much easier for you practicing the wisdom of the Buddhist teachings. This Sunday in our group learning program, I'm going to be teaching you guys chapter three 
enlightenment, what is enlightenment? Here I'm going to be describing what is enlightenment because this journey to enlightenment that you're embarking on, you need to understand what enlightenment is and what it isn't because having the target and understanding what the ultimate goal is, now you can more easily navigate towards it. So that's why early in the book, I put this chapter of what is enlightenment so that students would deeply understand what enlightenment is. And now the rest of the book, chapter four on, is going to teach you how to actually get to that mental state. But chapter three is helping you to deeply understand what the goal is so that now you can actively navigate towards that goal through developing your life practice, which is shared throughout the rest of the book. And then next Wednesday, we're going to be in our third class of our loving kindness meditation series, where once again, I'll just probably remind some students that have maybe haven't joined us before what we're doing in loving kindness meditation. And then we'll just go right into loving kindness meditation and open up to any questions that you guys might have. So have a very lovely rest of your day. We'll see you in a future class. Be well. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.